Welcome to the Amazing Horse Country podcast. I'm Scott Phillips. Amazing Horse Country is a uniquely supportive and positive style of horse and people training based on classic and relational horsemanship. We're down to earth, honest, and well, we just really enjoy horses. Our podcast is all about sharing knowledge with you, featuring horse training and riding information, amusing anecdotes, and discussions with certified equine professionals. Thanks for joining us. Episode 2, Horse Sets. After a fun-filled week at our camp, it was time to pack up and head out. Pack horses packed and guests mounted, we began a four and a half hour trek back to the staging area. Although we had tried to get out early, no one seemed to be in a rush, particularly our guests, who were returning home to their nine to five jobs. There were a lot of heels dragging. We set out on the trail, a route I'd ridden dozens of times. It can be cool in the mountains. In fact, it can get doggone cold at night, especially in September. I've seen snow here in Alberta in every month of the year, but this fall was a warm one. Like I said, we wanted to get out early. Part of that reason was so I could be back at camp at a reasonable hour and not have to ride 15 miles at night. The rest of the crew is headed out for supplies and I was headed back solo to take care of the camp for the weekend. I had no problem with that. There are few things more enjoyable than some alone time with a horse. The other reason was the heat. There isn't anything that seems to make a trail ride longer than a really hot day. We were lucky because most of the trail was in the trees and we could take advantage of the shade. But the heat brings the bugs out and folks and horses get tired quicker. Being their last ride of the trip, folks wanted to get pictures with the horses, themselves and us, seemingly in front of every single geographic feature. I couldn't blame them however, the scenery in our Rockies is spectacular. We happily obliged, but I have to admit, I checked my watch a few times that day, mentally calculating how late it was going to be when I got back. On one hand, the slow pace of the trip with multiple stops wasn't such a bad thing. I planned to pick up the pace on my solo ride back to camp, and having a rested horse would certainly help that. Once we arrived at the parking lot, I didn't waste any time helping unpack the horses and reuniting the guests with their belongings. We said our goodbyes. A string of cars headed down the gravel road as our guests returned to their lives. It was 6 o'clock as I put a foot in the stirrup and swung a leg over my mare. My days started around 5 a.m., so it had been a long one already. I stopped in the creek to let my horse have a drink. There were a few creek and river crossings on the ride back, so water wasn't a concern. As she bent her head down to the clear mountain water, I pulled out my GPS. The sun would set at 741, but that was based on the horizon, not the towering mountains I was riding into. It would be dusk soon and dark before eight. If I trotted most of the way, I could be back in just over two hours. The terrain had some great spots for making up time, which I wholeheartedly planned to do. I figured I'd be arriving back at our little tent village not too long after dark. Perfect. A little about my horse. I bought Belle from a friend of mine when she was three. She is a beautiful dark bay appendix that stands about 16 hands high. She's lean and can really move when she wants to. We had an instant partnership. We trust each other. We've learned a lot together. 
Horse folks talk about connection, and this horse and I have it. I've mentioned to more than one person that Bell knows me better than anyone else. That horse and I have also shared many hours in the mountains. She knows I'd never put her at risk, and I have learned to trust her instincts. We set into a trot. Passing the odd horse and rider out for a day ride, we left civilization behind and were out on our own. I really cherished those rides, me, my horse, surrounded by the beauty of creation. Although, anyone who has been in the wilderness knows you're never really alone. The forest is populated with many species, prey and predator alike. A keen eye can occasionally spot them, but for the most part, they stay away from humans. And just watch. Belle is half thoroughbred, and when she wants to, she can move. She's got a set of lungs on her, and it's rare for her to break a sweat. That said, we were making great time. Our path took us through creeks, up and down hills, through dense forest and wide open patches of grass. We maintained a trot for most of that, save for the water and stretches of trails with uneven footing. Checking my watch, I was pleased to see that we were right on track. We'd get to camp right as the last vestiges of light were fading. We were now about 20 minutes from camp and the sun had set. Ahead of us, we'd crossed the river and from then on it was clear sailing on an easy trail back to camp. It was at this point I made a decision. The trail branched off in two directions. Heading off to the left led us to a beach-like area, sloping down toward a spot where the river was wide. It was an easy crossing. But, we had been riding in the heat all day, I was dusty and sweaty, and I was sure Belle would like a treat. So I opted for the trail to the right. This led to a more constricted spot in the river, where the water had eroded the bank and created a bit of a pool that was a few feet deep. I thought it would be refreshing for both of us to jump in and get a little wet. 30 yards down the trail, the unexpected happened. Belle stopped. I don't mean that she slowed down and just quit on me. She froze. It was at this point I became aware that the forest around us was quiet, except for the sound of the river ahead. It felt, to me, like Belle's hair was standing up on end. Her neck was vertical, her ears pointed forward, and her entire body rigid. She was aware of something, something ahead of us, something that had instantly filled her with mortal terror. I strained my limited human vision to see anything up ahead, but only saw trees and dark shadows, shadows that were starting to look menacing. Belle is a horse that has a good grasp on reality. She's independent and strong. For her to be bothered like this was very much unlike her, and I knew her response was very honest. She was telling me something. I could feel her fear as I felt my temperature drop a degree. She was more than willing when I asked her to turn around and gallop down that trail. Nothing chased us, but I didn't look back either. We slowed down when we reached the Y in the trail. This time, we took the left path. Belle was back to her usual calm self. That in itself allowed me to relax. In short order, hooves struck water as we started crossing the river. On the far side, I saw that a group of folks were camping. There were usually folks camped out here, and I always stopped by to say hi. Even though I was anxious to get back to our own camp, I didn't want to pass up on the opportunity for a friendly chat. I likely wouldn't see other people for a few days. What was a bit odd, though, 
was that several folks were standing on the riverbank looking past me to the opposite shore. I'd have expected them to be settled around the campfire. Curiosity peaked. I rode up. I recognized one of the fellows, a friendly gentleman that I chatted with quite a few times when our path crossed on the trails. I hopped off and we shook hands in greeting. The first words out of his mouth were, Turn around and take a look behind you. While he said this, he extended his arm and pointed. Slowly, I turned around. In the fading light, I was still able to make out the mountain lion on the riverbank, sitting contentedly right at the spot I would have emerged had we taken the trail on the right. Is Horse Sense Sensible, Nonsense, or Common Sense? The title, Horse Sense, is admittedly of a general nature. We're well aware of our own five senses, although we do have, and we use, more than five. In this context, though, I'm going to define the word sense as acute perception and observation skills. So, do horses have the ability to sense things more easily and accurately than humans? And if so, how? And better yet, can we make use of those abilities? Like the saying goes, two minds are better than one. I'd like to share some personal examples and my thoughts on what I consider an incredible asset offered you by your horse. Let's make a fair comparison between people and horses. Horses live in the moment. They don't make plans for next week, nor do they dwell on the past. Horses are prey animals and we are predators. Humans rely on cunning, tools, and knowledge accumulated from experience and external sources. Prey animals rely on their senses, instincts, and bodies to preserve themselves. It's essential that they possess finely honed senses and instincts. For humans, well, not always. We increasingly rely on tools like GPS in our phones to navigate, computers with internet that are integrated into our TVs, speakers, vehicles, and even kitchen appliances so that we can pull up information on anything we want, anytime we want. I'm going to relay a somewhat embarrassing story here. Years ago, a friend and I were riding on a mountain trail which formed a loop. Get it? A loop? That means we start and end in the same place, hypothetically. But not far into our ride, the trail we were on passed into this swampy area. It was really boggy because we'd had an excessively wet spring. My friend was in the lead, and without warning, her mare just dropped right into the muck, sinking right up to her belly. They managed to get out without incident, but we decided to break trail to avoid that swampy area. Our adventurous plan was to bisect the loop and connect with the original trail. I was riding my gelding spud and ponying our herd leader, Ty. Shortly after our deviation, we noticed some interesting scenery. Or at least my friend did. Of course, it was in the opposite direction we needed to go. But it was a great day, sunny outside, beautiful for riding, so we thought we'd deviate a little bit and check it out. The further we strayed off from our original path, however, the more challenging the ride became. We were spending a lot of our time backtracking to get around deadfall that had accumulated after a record windstorm the previous year. We had a general idea of where we were within the loop, but we had no intentions of heading back. We were determined to reconnect with that trail. We were on a mission. Four hours into our planned two-hour ride, the sun was starting to get low on the horizon and the air was getting cool. Although we had adequate clothing, water, and some snacks, we had no desire to spend the night in the bush. 
Eventually, we came to the conclusion that as intrepid as our intentions were, the terrain and obstacles had won. Reluctantly, we turned around. Of course, in turning back, we had to face the same obstacles again. Seemingly impassable deadfall and swamp. Let's say we were... Geographically challenged. We decided to give Ty a chance at leading. I'll humbly admit, the humans in this story were not doing so great in that department. When we cut them loose, Ty immediately started marching off to the east. That was the right direction. We followed him up to a swampy area where he came to a stop. Finding him a way around it, we turned him loose again. Again, he stopped at some deadfall he couldn't get through, and we navigated him around that. After about an hour of following Ty, we crested the top of a hill, down the other side into some trees, and we popped out right on the trail. We were a few miles up from where we'd left it. Ty picked up a trot and we followed him right up to the back door of my trailer where he bumped the latch with his nose. His message was obvious. Let's load up and go home. Without question, Ty knew where the trailer was. He needed some help getting to it, but the route he chose was the most direct, if not the most efficient. Here's another example. I was guiding a few folks on Spud. We'd taken a cross-country path from our camp to the trailhead, the destination being a scenic mountain lake. The climb was uneventful and the day was sunny. It was fantastic for riding. After a few hours at the lake, we trekked back down the mountain, but I planned this time to take a different route back to camp. But Spud had other plans. Without warning, he abruptly turned off the trail into the trees at the exact spot we emerged on our outbound leg. I knew it was the exact spot because there was an odd-looking tree right there. His thought, retracing his steps, was the way home. The thing was, he knew precisely where the outbound path was even several hours later. The horse's sense of place and route might be compared to a GPS. In some cases, it might even be more accurate since they corroborate position with visual information and their incredible memory as it relates to visual imagery. That's definitely something we can rely on. Position and path are just one of their innate abilities. But there's more. A horse's sense of other animals and perception of a threat is necessary for their survival. That makes sense. But a predator isn't always out for prey. It doesn't take much of a search to find pictures of a predator and prey drinking side by side out of a stream, or a cat and bird sleeping together. Think of it, a human being is a predator, and yet we can earn the trust of a horse, a prey animal. So what's going on here? The answer is communication. I refer to this method of communication as empathic. It's the ability for one animal to feel what's going on with another one. Your horse sensing that you're proud of them, or even that you're nervous, is another example you can probably relate to. Here's another anecdote. Years ago, old Ty had a wreck where he'd injured his lower back. Stall rest was prescribed, and I set up an outdoor pen where Ty reluctantly resided. Sometimes I would put Spud, his best buddy, or Belle in with him for company when I turned the rest of the herd out to pasture. This day, Bell had volunteered to hang out with Ty. Or maybe that's voluntold. Later in the afternoon, as I sat in my office, I heard Spud calling. I looked up and he was staring into the window right at me. As I walked around the barn, I saw Spud standing anxiously at the fence. By himself. I figured that he had returned from the pasture to hang out with Ty, 
and in doing so, he gave up a meal in the pasture. So I tossed him a flake of hay. He ignored that, and he continued talking to me. Something was wrong. My first thought was that Ty was hurt. Ty's pen was behind the horse shelter, and I couldn't see it from where I was standing. I walked around to check, and I found the gate was unlatched, and Ty and Bell were gone. Spud had left Ty in the herd to come and alert me of the prison break. Grabbing a halter to catch Ty, I plodded my way through the snow out to the pasture, with Spud following right on my shoulder. I saw Ty grazing, seemingly content in his new status as an escapee. But there was deep snow, mole hills, and uneven ground that he might trip on, and I didn't want him to aggravate his injuries. My intent was to catch him and put him back in his pen. But he was having none of that. After six weeks of captivity, he moved off every time I even thought of getting near. Throughout this escapade, Spud never left my side, which had me really curious. My unused halter in hand, I was slowly catching on to Spud's intent and I tested a theory. I turned and walked back home at a brisk pace. Spud trotted right off my shoulder. And guess what? The rest of the herd followed us. Begrudgingly, Ty followed behind all the other horses. Once we were on the other side of the gate and Ty was back in his pen, Spud finally relaxed. I praised on him. Good job, Spud. A story like this might be a great opportunity to personify. Look at how smart my horse is. Looking at the facts, though, things start to make sense. Fact 1. Spud knew that Ty was injured. Fact 2. I've seen Spud on more than one occasion protect Ty. Fact 3. When Ty got out, Spud came and got my attention. But was he aware on some level that it was wrong for Ty to be out of his pen? Did he communicate to the herd to follow us? I know Spud is the most alert, sensitive, and communicative horse in our herd, but this speaks to an impressive level of awareness and ability. Since then, I've done a lot of studying. I've read medical papers on the horse's brain and researched scientifically conducted studies on the cognitive abilities of the horse. A horse's brain is the same size as a human child's. A horse is capable of advanced cognition, that is, they can use their senses along with acquired knowledge toward a specific action or process. They are more than capable of assessing what you know, or don't know. Once I was farm sitting for a friend. He had a young mare and her yearly younger brother. The mare had cast herself under a barbed wire fence. She was aware of the fence and she didn't try and get up. Smart. She had been there for long enough to melt a hole in the snow, though. Now her little brother was in a panic because she was stuck. Now, this little horse was one of those in-your-space pains, always pushing and playing. I attempted to turn her and move her. It was difficult because she'd melted herself a bowl shape in the snow, and even though I tried to pull her out, she would just spin and rotate in that bowl. After each attempt, she'd raise her head and look around. She put her head back down when she didn't think she could get up without a tangle with the wire. So I went and got the snow shovel. And after about a good hour of shoveling snow and pulling on her hind legs to move her, sweat was dripping off my brow, but I finally managed to jockey her into a position that she was happy with. She got up and shook herself off. We know that a horse can be smart in that regard, to resist struggling, when they get tangled or caught, 
But what struck me was how saving her sister changed the relationship between the young Gelding and I. From that moment on, he was my best friend and had nothing but respect for me. From an encompassing perspective, some of these stories might seem unbelievable. But just like training a horse, if you break it down into pieces, things make more sense. When we comprehend how a horse thinks, develop an appreciation for their motivations and reactions, the actions of a horse actually make complete sense. Yet another example. After being gone for a week with work, I was anxious to get out and ride Bell. I wasted no time in heading out to the pasture the moment I got home. As it turned out, I didn't need to bring a halter. Bell came trotting up to me, but something was wrong. She was wobbling like she was drunk. She was tossing her head this way and that, and was in obvious discomfort. It turns out she had an infection in both of her eyes, and the amount of that crusty stuff that had accumulated was preventing her from seeing. She literally couldn't see where she was going. She followed me right into the barn and let me rinse her eyes out with some contact lens solution. And she had no problem with me putting antibiotic right into her eyes, twice a day pulling the bottom of her eyelid open to put a strip of that ointment in. The halter remained unused during these treatments. Days later, when she considered herself healed, she wanted nothing more to do with the ointment. She knew when she needed help, and she knew when she was done with it. In the human world, we are skeptical of things we can't see or touch. That's only natural. We shy away from conversations involving anything that isn't explainable with our own five senses. We discount the fact that other animals have advanced cognitive abilities simply because they think and act differently than humans do. And moreover, they communicate differently than we do. How often in history have humans been condescending to one another because of different customs, beliefs, and language? We personify horses when they display human-like behavior, but we give them little credit for the abilities they actually have. It's clear in many of these examples that the horse is capable of communicating their perception and needs. Ever had a horse bump you because he or she wanted something? Horses continuously demonstrate that they have acute, innate senses that are above and beyond those that humans typically make use of. And that is to be expected since they are, after all, a prey animal whose lives are governed by senses and responses that allow them to continue surviving as a species. The human brain has several areas that are responsible for speech production, articulation, and language processing. The horse's brain significantly lacks the complexity ours does for these abilities. However, they're still able to communicate, and exceptionally well I might add, without that. Consider horsemanship in part as the art of learning how to communicate with a horse. I prefer the word art over the word skill. Both art and skill take time to develop or learn. However, skill suggests that a single defined action produces a single defined result. Art, however, has no boundaries. We can shape it, take it in many different directions. We can try different things and view the results. We explore and we adapt. Similarly, communication itself involves multitudes of factors. Successful communicators are artisans. Communication in the realm of horsemanship is what we refer to as feel. The horse feels of us primarily through our focus, space, energy, empathy, and intent. The aids are secondary. Pursuing an understanding of horse sense, their senses, cognitive abilities, and instinctive behaviors 
yields many productive results. Our actions become thoughtful, our timing becomes more precise, our releases become more natural, our horses try harder for us because we're directly addressing their needs, and they know we're listening. The other part is, well, if you don't have a GPS, you can use that horse sense to get back to the trailer and avoid some mountain lions along the way. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. You can help us out by giving us a 5-star rating in whatever podcast app you're using. It might seem like a small thing, but it makes a big difference. Make sure you subscribe to us too, that way you'll know right away when we've published a new podcast. While you're at it, join us at AmazingHorseCountry.com. You can register for our amazing clinics and webinars, watch training videos, engage in our articles and forum, share your horse stories, and much more. Until next time, my friends, happy trails.